We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Every day you're making your brain a bit better or a bit worse. Mm -hmm. You're not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome to this special episode, and thank you so much for being here today. And if this is your first time listening, I hope today's episode inspires you and helps you on your path to greatness. And I'd love to hear from you and know what your key takeaways are over on social media. Just message me at Lewis Howes over there. And if you're a regular listener of the show, then welcome back. I'm so grateful and inspired by your commitment to live greater, love deeper, and leave a legacy. Make sure to reference our show notes in the description for today's guest information and any mentioned links. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to tell a friend and leave a review over on Apple Podcast. This really helps the show reach more people and impact more lives as a result together. Okay, now it's time to dive into today's episode. Are you looking to take control of your health? Well, one way to do that is to check GoodRx and finally stop overpaying for your prescription medications. Prescription prices can vary between pharmacies by as much as $100, meaning you're never sure what you're gonna pay. Not only will GoodRx find you discounts, but it'll also let you compare and find the lowest prices at pharmacies near you like CVS, Kroger, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Vons, and more. Now you'll always know what you're paying before you get to the pharmacy. Even if you have insurance or Medicare, GoodRx often beats your copay price. And I actually have a team member who was prescribed a brand name medication. She had side effects with the generic brand, so she was forced to pay out of pocket for the brand name. With GoodRx, she's able to save a lot of money on her meds. So for simple, smart savings on your prescriptions, check GoodRx. Go to goodrx.com greatness. That's goodrx.com greatness. GoodRx is not insurance, but can be used instead of insurance. In 2021, GoodRx users saved an average of 79% on retail prescription prices. What are some of the other techniques or nutritional things that we should be thinking about to optimizing the brain and body beyond ping pong? Well, the first thing, and I did it this morning, is you go, today's going to be a great day. And that way you get your brain looking for what's right rather than what's wrong. And I get to be with you today, and that makes yeah. me happy. Um, I end every day, and I recommend everybody do this, what went well today. So I, whenever I put myself to sleep, I say a prayer, and then I go, what went well mm. today? And I start at the beginning of the day, and I purposefully look for the smallest things that went well that I like that make me happy. Now, along that, you'll find the big things, but you know, we're both busy mm-hmm. and great things happen, but you often don't stop and reflect on those great things that happened. Right. And if you make it a habit 
like the day my dad died. My dad died almost two years ago. And that day when I went to bed, I went, what went well today? And the voice, the critic in my head was so upset. It's mm -hmm. like, you're a bad human being. But it's my habit. And then I thought about all the things that went right that day. Mm -hmm. And even though I was sad and grieved, I went to sleep. Right. Because I have my brain trained. We live in a society of undisciplined minds. And there's a science to disciplining it. Yeah. So what would you call that? Is it a, uh, in the beginning of the day and the end of the day, what is, it, what is that strategy called? Is it just mental focus? Is it gratitude? Well, when people come to my clinic, we often do some neuropsych testing. And one of the tests is negativity bias versus positivity bias. What's the difference and, between those two? Well, negativity bias is you're focused on what's wrong. Your brain quickly, almost immediately goes to what you're afraid of, what's negative. And the news will tell you all sorts of things to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. um, positivity bias is you go to what's right. And so those two techniques are part of what I talk about in the new book, positivity bias training. Mm -hmm. How do you train your brain? to look for what's right, not for just what's wrong. Now, it's not over the top because uh, I've been thinking about this Bible verse a lot lately. Uh, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And it used to always sort of bother me. Yeah. I'm like, why do I have to be afraid? Yeah. And then I realized people who have low levels of anxiety die early from accidents or preventable Illnesses. They're not worried about anything. They die earlier is what you're saying. Right. So and often the people um, that go to jail, they have low levels of anxiety. They actually have slower heart rates. They have lower sweat gland activity. Interesting. Right? Like if I think I'm going to go rob a store, well, I don't because I don't want to be caught. <laughs> right. And I don't like institutional food and I don't mm. really look good in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I'm always thinking ahead and one of the lies of happiness so i open you happier with the lies of happiness is don't worry be happy so bobby mcferrin's um grammy award-winning song uh don't worry be happy is a lie mm. because you need some anxiety so you do the right things sure. and doing the right things consistently help you be happy. Yeah, so you have a moral code, you're doing the right habits for yourself, you're not just like, oh, I'm not gonna care, I'm gonna drink all day, I'm gonna eat whatever I want, everything's gonna be fine. You wanna have some, well, if I do this action, there might be a negative reaction later as well. Right, 50% yeah. of people 85 and older will be diagnosed with dementia. Hmm. I'm not okay with that. No. Those are bad odds, right? Because we're living longer and I don't want a 50% chance of having lost my mind. No. Now, but I can't start thinking about that when I'm 83. I need to be thinking about that when I'm 43 yeah. or 33, right? I mean, the earlier you can, the more you can push off those negative effects. So not too much anxiety because the cortisol damages your brain, but enough. It's like a mm. dose response. What's the right dose of anxiety? Sure. And as a psychiatrist, I used to think my job was to lower the anxiety in my patients. And then, and that's true for some patients. It's not true for other patients. Mm. I need to raise their anxiety. So what would you say are the three main causes of someone 
more likely to reach a dementia state over 85 or before they even what would those things be the three bad habits or the thing you know the causes of dementia would you say so um, increase those in the book i actually talk about our bright minds approach to yes. preventing dementia so there's 11 but if i had to pick a couple it would be being overweight Mm-hmm. Because if you're overweight or have high blood sugar, there's something I call diabetes. It's a combination. You actually have seven of the 11 risk factors because I published three studies. The last one on 33,000 people that said as your weight goes up, the actual size and function of your brain goes down virtually in a linear pattern so does it happen if you're 30 years old and you're younger or is it like only when happens you reach... in children really yeah so we had two data sets one in children one in adults drops the because function and the size of the, the brain function shrinks. and size because it lowers blood flow to the brain obesity lowers blood flow to the brain it ages the brain it increases inflammation Fat cells store toxins. It changes your hormones, Mm. takes healthy testosterone and turns it into unhealthy cancer-promoting forms of estrogen. This is not a good thing. And uh, so if I had to go, don't be overweight. Now, don't be underweight. Underweight's not good for you, right? Have a reasonable BMI, be a a healthy weight. And you don't want anything to damage your blood vessels because they found neurons, brain cells, actually don't age. It's your blood vessels that age. And if your blood vessels aren't feeding your brain cells, they begin to die. And so with all of these risk factors, how do I know if I have it? So spec, this imaging study I do looks at blood flow. if you're drinking caffeine, if you're using nicotine, if you're sedentary, if you have any form of heart disease, if you have high blood pressure, all of those decrease blood flow to your brain. So you always wanna increase blood flow. And I I love this part because when I get someone brain healthy, their sex lives get better. Because if you have blood flow problems anywhere, like you have erectile dysfunction, you have brain dysfunction. And if you have brain dysfunction, odds are you also have sex dysfunction because they're connected. It's about blood flow, Uh right? The healthier your blood flow. And so, you know, I see a lot of 50, 60 year old guys and they're worried about their mom had Alzheimer's disease. They don't want to get it. But when they get on the program, their sex lives are better. And that makes Mm. me so happy for them. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's something you touched on a little bit ago about the negativity bias and the positivity bias. I like to believe that I think in a positive way. I see the perspective of a situation. I try to look at the good perspective of the situation. I try to appreciate the things that I have as opposed to things that I lack. I try to see, have compassion and empathy for certain situations and say, that's really unfortunate, so I should be extremely grateful for where I'm at. You know, in all areas of my life, I try to have that perspective. I feel like it's a positive bias, right? Because it makes me feel better. There's been a lot of talk lately with different researchers and professors talking about the negative effects of, call it toxic uh, positivity or too much positivity, I guess. Is there, 
you know, a negative, is there really a negative effect to the brain if you're thinking positively all the time? And if so, can you be toxic in the way you think in a positive way? Okay. So I'm actually not a fan of positive thinking. I'm a fan of accurate thinking with a positive bias. Mm. Because positive thinking is I can have this third brownie and it won't hurt me. I can drive at 125 miles an hour down the freeway in the rain and it's not dangerous. I can give my phone number to a woman I met in a bar and not be thinking about the potential downsides mm -hmm. of that, um, especially if I'm married and I want to stay married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Right, I have this one friend, um, he came in and he told me about this woman he'd met at a medical conference and they were on a plane together and she'd been to his office and I looked at him and I'm like, do you like attorneys? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, you're married, you have ADD, you're not gonna cover up this affair, your wife's gonna find out, you're gonna lose half your net worth, and you're gonna be visiting your children oh. on the weekends. And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Which is, means his frontal lobes weren't working because the front part of your brain not only thinks of the moment, it thinks of all of the moments, mm -hmm. right? If I do this, what happens? And too often, people that have the most sadness it's because they make bad decisions. And that can be toxic positivity. Like, oh, I'm in the moment where I want people to be in all of the moments. Sure. <laughs> not, just, not just now. The future moments. Now and later, right? Mm -hmm. I want people to feel better quickly. Yes. With things that help them feel good now and tomorrow. Right. Okay, so I like that. Accurate thinking with a positive bias. Yeah, accurate thinking. Okay. Is there such thing as toxic positivity in your well, mind? Well, it could be. Yeah. It's like, don't worry, be happy. Right. It's like, you no matter like what approach, I do yeah. today, it's not going to impact me mm. tomorrow. I can spend, I can max my credit cards, I can flirt with mm. a girl even though I'm in a committed relationship. I can drink all I want, I, I can, can eat all I want. Yeah, yeah that's toxic positivity. Yeah. Uh, it's like, no, you need to be afraid, <laughs> right? I mean, you came to my clinic and we yeah. looked at your brain yeah. and it's like, no, I want to love my brain. So if I love my brain, I avoid these things and I do those things. Mm -hmm. And then you have a better life, yes. right? The school of greatness starts with a healthy brain. Yes, absolutely. And so how do we figure out what our brain type is then? There's different brain types. How do we know what ours is? Most books on happiness, and there have been a lot of books on happiness, is they go, okay, here are the things that make you happy, from gratitude and purpose and novelty. And working out and, and this and that. And I'm like, well, it depends on what your brain type is. For some people, helicopter skiing makes them happy, or jumping out of an airplane makes them happy. And for other people, that makes them flat out miserable. Mm. It's like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'll right. be anxious, I'll be afraid, no. And what, what I learned, so at Amen Clinics, I have 10 clinics around the country, we do brain imaging. So if you have anxiety, depression, temper problems, relationship problems, memory problems, head trauma, whatever, we'll talk to you and then we'll scan you. Yes. And it's been my big love affair in life is looking at people's brains. Yeah. Um, 
and early on I realized, because I was looking at like, what does ADD look like in the brain? Or what does depression look like? Or bipolar disorder or autism? And early on, quickly I learned they're not one thing. That each of those things have subtypes. And I've written books like Healing ADD, The Seven Types of ADD. Mm. And then when I was thinking about happiness, I'm like, it's clearly not one thing. And I've identified five primary types. There's brain the types. Brain types. Okay, what based are those? on imaging. So there's the balance brain type, where quite frankly, most anything will make you happy. You're focused, you're flexible, you're positive mm -hmm. and relaxed. Okay. And type two is the spontaneous type. Type one, you have a generally healthy brain. Two, you have sleepy frontal lobes, the front part of your brain, low, lower in activity. And um, you're very creative, often, mm -hmm. often. A lot of the young superstars I see are the spontaneous type. They need novelty. Mm -hmm. They love surprises. Mm -hmm. uh, they hate routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they want their life to be a bit unpredictable. They also like scary movies. Uh, they need a dopamine fix. Um, now the persistent type, type three, their frontal lobes actually work a bit harder than everybody else. And they hate surprises mm. and love routine. Um, they're accomplishment oriented. They finish things on time. They show up on time. And unfortunately, they tend to marry the spontaneous type. Or at least those are the people that come they're to my office. <laughs> they come to my office. Um, the fourth type is the sensitive type. And this was the type that was damaged the most in the pandemic mm -hmm. because they crave connection, crave relationships. They're deeply empathic. And when their relationships are good, they're really happy. And when they're stressed, they're very unhappy. Mm. And then type five is the cautious type. These are people that are early to appointments. They will never jump out of an airplane unless the airplane's on fire. Um, and to make them happy, they need peace. They need relaxation. They need a massage. Um, and so, understanding my type and their combinations. Yeah, you might have types. two or three or right. yeah. And so I'm like, I like three or four of these things at times, you know, it's like, I like my routine, but I also like to get out once in a while and do something spontaneous, you know. So there are 16 types when you look at the combinations and in the book, there's a link on how to get your free brain type. Uh, it's just so helpful. Um, what can we do once we know which type we're at? What, what do we do then with that information? Well, for the balanced people, it's just keep it that way. <laughs> for the spontaneous people, here are some supplements that might help your type. Here's the right diet for your type. Mm. Here are the right exercises for your type. So if the spontaneous person, it is critical for them to know their goals mm -hmm. in great detail. And they love the exercise. And then every day they ask themselves the question, does it fit? Does my behavior fit? Because the break in their brain is vulnerable, it's a little weak, 
And so often they'll all go off here, they'll go off there. And a lot of CEOs are the spontaneous types, yeah. especially entrepreneurs, right. not maybe CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, but for their own companies, which can be wildly successful, but they need a persistent person to organize them. Yes. Because they're really good at grow at starting businesses, they're not good at growing uh -huh. businesses. So just know, oh, is that me? Then make sure you don't hire someone like you mm -hmm. with your type to grow your business because they won't. Right. They'll get you in trouble with the IRS. <laughs> exactly. So once we know the and what's your brain type? So I'm balanced. Balanced, but yes. But I have features mm -hmm. of cautious and sensitive because mm -hmm. I crave relationships. So when Tan and I Me get too. along, and yeah. thank goodness we get along almost all the time, I'm so happy. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My first marriage didn't get along at all and I was miserable Stressed. for two decades. Wow. And I'm, I guess maybe I have the persistent type too. Um, <laughs> you want to try to make it work and try to do everything oh you can. Oh yeah, I feel I guilty when it doesn't. I know that feeling. What do, you, what do you say is the biggest lesson you've learned about your own personal life of assessing, I think it's 200,000 brain scans now, over 30 years, how long, how long is it? 30 years of work of just assessing the world's brains and these different types. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself in personal life, relationships, you know, all these things? 
So I started imaging in 1991, and I'm 37. I'd been a psychiatrist nearly a decade. Uh -huh. I was the top neuroscience student in medical school, and I didn't care about my own brain. So what did that mean? You were eating whenever you were, sleeping whenever you I were. I only slept four hours, and I and I thought I was special because I could do that. <laughs> then I realized it wasn't special. You're I was bragging. Stupid. Oh, I only need four hours a night of sleep, yeah. and I can function. Yeah. Yeah. I was eating fast food. I was overweight, uh, chronically stressed. And when I, the week before I scanned myself, I scanned my mother, and she was sixty. And at sixty, she had a stunningly beautiful brain. She's 90 now, and she still has a stunningly beautiful brain. It's a little irritating. And then the next week, I scanned myself, and it wasn't good. My brain looked older than her 60-year no brain. But it reflected her life, her brain. She could manage my difficult dad. She has seven children. She now has 54 grandchildren, wow. great-grandchildren. She's the most consistently loving person she knows everybody's birthday. She wow. knows what's going on in everybody's life. She's, she's just always interested. My brain wasn't healthy. I played football in high school. I had meningitis twice when I was a young soldier, and that's a bad thing for your brain. Mm. And I didn't care, right? I never drank or smoked. I just didn't want to do that. I fell in love with my brain. And every day, I'm like, is this good for my brain or bad for it? You know, I don't take red eyes because mm -hmm. I know that's bad for my brain. I mean, I'd rather give up a half a day to travel than take a red eye. Tell me why. Why is that because bad for your brain? you're not going to sleep right. You're, when you're sleeping, you're changing time zones. And now, sometimes if you go to Dubai or something like that, yeah, you yeah. don't have a choice. But, but on a frequent basis, East Coast be. to West Coast, it's like, no, I have a choice. I'm going to take a 10 o'clock flight. Right. And, you know, I'll just get other work done that day. And that way I'm not going to lose a day of sleep because it's bad. And I look at what I eat. I look at how I think. I look, I mean, everything in my life. Like if you date my daughter, I'm scanning your brain. Right. Right? I mean, it's really at the core, at the center mm. of my life. When I met Tana 16 years ago, I liked her a lot. Mm -hmm. And like three weeks. Like, I'm like, Please, I hope her brain looks good. I'm like, you know, she could be the one. And so I said, you haven't seen the clinic. I said, don't you want to come see the clinic? And, oh, by the way, could we look at your brain? Wow. And she's a neurosurgical ICU nurse, so she loves the brain. And um, I scanned her, and it was good enough. <laughs> You're like, it could be better now. I'm about to get my girlfriend in there now, too. I'm just like, oh, we just moved in. I'm like, the next test is the brain scan to see if you're really healthy. Well, because ultimately, brain functions are empathy. Mm -hmm. Being able to see things from the other person's point of view. Yeah. It's cooperation. That's so true. It's excitement. It's mm -hmm. fun. It's listening. It's those things that make a relationship work, right? Once you get beyond the cocaine phase of a relationship, mm -hmm. like when I scanned Tana, I was totally in the cocaine phase. The adrenaline phase. I wanted thing. to activate my frontal lobes and go, okay, how's her brain? Mm -hmm. And one of my kids was dating this 
very cute girl. And I scanned her and I'm like, please don't marry her. Please wow. don't marry her. Based on the brain. Yeah. Because I'm like, she's doing things you don't know that she's doing. Because wow. I can tell if you're a substance abuser. Now, you can tell. If someone's smoking, tell. drinking, marijuana, vaping, you can see this in the brain? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't label it, this is vaping. You can see. But it's like, this is toxic. There's a toxic thing happening to the brain. Right. And could that be through thoughts alone? Or is it, you can see the difference between a, a toxic thinking versus toxic uh, substance taking. It's different. Is it? So toxic thinking will often activate your emotional brain. So, so your like limbic a- brain will be more active. Mold exposure or marijuana or alcohol, your brain starts to shrivel. Really? So you can tell. So if say someone is eats perfectly, you know, has all the right things to eat, they sleep well, well, they may, they may not be able to do this if they're thinking negatively all the time, but let's just hypothetically say they, they try to work out consistently, they're healthy weight, they're not taking any harmful substances, but they have extremely low self-esteem. They're constantly saying to themselves internally, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, why did I do that? You know, doubting themselves. What does that look like to a brain? But they're doing all the other things semi-correctly. Well, one, we would have to look, Uh because I always say, how do you know unless you look? Because they may have been kicked in the head by a horse when they were 10 and it damaged their frontal lobes and nobody knows about it because they were unconscious and had amnesia for the event. Um, But say they're doing everything physically right, but mentally Mm -hmm. their mind is undisciplined and it's negative. They're going to have a relatively healthy brain, but their emotional structures are going to be really busy. And so it's like the chatter uh-huh. in their head, the internal dialogue um, is just too active. Yes. And one of the fun techniques in the book, I love this technique, is give your mind a name. And so you can gain psychological distance from it. Yes. Um, it's like you know, it's sort of like yourself. the man in your yeah. head or the yeah. woman in your head that's always running a dialogue on you. Name him or her and separate. Mm-hmm. From it, like yeah. when I learned this technique, I'm like well, what would I name my mind? I named it after my pet raccoon when I was sixteen. So I literally have pet raccoon. Hermie was her name. I thought she was a boy, but she wasn't. Anyways, Hermie, because I loved her, but she was a troublemaker. <laughs> right? She like TP'd my mother's bathroom, uh. and she went to my dad. My mom went to my dad that night. And she said, Louie, it's my dad, it's either me or the raccoon. Mm. Now, my dad loved my mom, but he has the persistent brain type. And if you have the persistent brain type, nobody can tell you what to do. As soon as they tell you what to do, you're going to do the opposite. And when I heard him say, don't let the door hit you in the rear, I'm like, this is going to be a bad night. Oh, man. Me. Oh, man. And then a couple of days later, Hermie ate all the fish out of my sister's aquarium. It just like holds up signs like you're a fool or you're a failure or you're an idiot or whatever it is. And on most days, those things aren't true. And if I could watch my thoughts rather than attach, not the thoughts you have that make you suffer. We all have crazy thoughts. It's the thoughts you attach to. 
that make you suffer. So it's not having the crazy thoughts is one thing. Attaching, I guess, your identity to the thought. Or believing. Or believing it's a real thought will make you suffer. Right, like Jerry Seinfeld said, the brain is a sneaky organ. We all have weird, crazy, stupid, sexual, violent thoughts Mm -hmm. that nobody should ever hear. Like if you see someone with a big load of boxes in his arms, you're like, oh, I should trip him. Now, you don't. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't because you're a kind, caring person uh-huh. and you know that would just cause all sorts of trouble. Yes. Right? So just having the thought. And I've had guys, they come into my office and they go, I'm a pedophile. And I'm like, tell me about that. Wow. And they're like, well, my teenage daughter brought some friends over and I had sexual thoughts about them. I'm like, did you get their phone number? Did you climb in bed with them? Did I said, having a thought has nothing to do with whether or not it's true. But when you attach to I'm a pedophile, oh my God. And, and they feel like sometimes they have to share that. And I'm like, please don't share that. Right, right. Share it with me. Yes. You know, let's work through it. Because if you really are a pedophile, we have to work on that. We have to protect yes. you and other people, you and the children, we have to protect you. And often, I've actually scanned a number of pedophiles. Really? They they have an impulsive, compulsive brain where they can't stop thinking about something and then they can't control it. Wow. But just because you have a thought has nothing to do with whether or not it's true. Right, right. Right? I mean, a lot of people have had, you know, I should kill myself, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you're going to. But it's why you shouldn't be drinking. If you have suicidal thoughts, you need to stop drinking because people who have suicidal thoughts who drink have a higher risk of killing themselves. Mm-hmm. So what should we be aware of about thoughts? Are we the creator of thoughts? Do thoughts randomly come to us? Can we shift the thoughts? Should we believe every thought we have or realize, okay, that's just a thought. That doesn't mean it's who I am and it doesn't define me. What's your overall principle around thoughts? They come from all over the place. Mm-hmm. They come from your genes. They're actually written in your genetic code. So trauma from a past generation can actually show up in future generations. It's really interesting. Mm. Last time I was here, we talked about your brain is always listening, and I talk about the ancestral drag, where the issues you have may not be your issues. Right. They may be from your mom or from your dad. So knowing your family history is really important. Thoughts come from the voices of your mom and dad. I have six siblings. Your siblings' voices come from your friends, from your enemies, Mm. from the news, from the music you listen to, and they lie a lot. Your thoughts lie a lot. Your thoughts lie a lot. Now, every time you have a thought, your brain releases chemicals. Every time you have a good thought, positive thought, happy thought, hopeful thought, your brain releases chemicals that make you feel good. Mm. Immediately, your hands get warmer. When you think a positive thought. When you think a positive thought. Your hands get drier. Your muscles become more relaxed. Your breathing becomes slower and deeper. And your heart rate variability goes up. And it happens immediately. When you have a sad thought, a hopeless thought, a helpless thought, a stressful thought, your body immediately produces chemicals that make your hands colder and wetter 
muscles more tense, breathing shallower and more erratic, heart rate variability goes down, that's a right. sign of heart health, and it happens immediately. So, our so how, are that, how connected are our thoughts to our nervous system and our body? They're completely connected. Wow. Every thought you have impacts every cell in your body. Really? And thoughts lie. And it's not the thoughts you have that make you suffer, it's the thoughts you attach to. So whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking. And then just ask yourself if it's true. What if you think it's true? How do you switch well, that so thinking? Well, I, so I, I love Byron Katie's technique. She's great. Right. Talk yeah, about yeah. it. It's the like work. these yeah. five questions. And she calls it four questions and I turn around and I'm like, okay, five is it, questions. Is it true? Is it really true? So yeah, if yeah. we took a thought, mm -hmm. I don't know if you had a negative thought recently that you want to share. Um, negative thought. I've been in a pretty good place, to be honest. I mean, I was just telling you, you know, I'm pretty consistent with my emotional accountability with therapy. I feel like my relationship's in a great place. That's a negative thought. Maybe a negative thought is um, I've been traveling a lot in the last month. And I haven't been as good with my nutrition, my sleep patterns, and my working out. So it kind of felt like, man, I, I just feel like oh, a little sloppy, a little off, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm behind. You know, but it's not like a negative So let's go thought, with I'm behind. Yeah. yeah. Is that true? And remember, we're not interested in positive thinking. Right. We're interested in accurate thinking with a positive spin. Right. Am I behind? I'm, I'm behind necessarily on like my view of what I want to create for myself. So on that viewpoint, I guess I'm a little behind, but it's, I'm not like beating myself up. It's more. Okay. So that's question yeah. one. Yeah. Is it just, is it true? Is it true? Yeah. Question two is, is it absolutely true? A hundred percent certainty. You're behind. Right. Is it a hundred percent true? It's not a hundred percent true. It's just the story I'm telling myself. Yeah. Question three is how do you feel when you believe the thought? I don't feel as good. Yeah, I don't feel as good when I'm ruminating or thinking about that thought. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, a little frustrated. Question four is how would you feel without the thought? I feel a lot better. Better. Yeah. Right, and you're not the person. So many people worry, if I didn't feel bad, I wouldn't be motivated. Mm -hmm. But that's not you. No, no. <laughs> right. not, I'm disciplined, it's I'm motivated. You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And question five is my favorite of all of them. Let's take the original thought and turn it to the opposite. I'm not behind. Mm -hmm. And then we ask ourselves, is that true? Do I have any evidence right. that I'm not behind? So I love that because if I get a thought, Tana never listens to me. I've had that thought, right? She may be at that time in her cycle or she may be distracted uh -huh. and, and she's not listening to me. But if I go, Hannah never listens to Is that me. true? No. Yeah. No. And who would I be without the thought? I'd be a good husband. <laughs> I'd, I'd understand. Maybe she's having a harder time. Mm -hmm. And then the turnaround can go three ways. It can go to the opposite. Tana does listen to me. Well, I've written and produced 16 national public television shows. She's listened to the script on all of them. Yes. <laughs> so she does listen to me. Um, but you can also take it to... I don't listen to her. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> or I don't listen to myself. So the turnaround can be opposite self and other, which is a sophisticated concept, but when you get it, you don't have to believe your thoughts. They're productions of 
genetics and environment and chemistry. You didn't go, does this help me? Does it get me what I want? Mm -hmm. Is it accurate? And we haven't talked yet about this. I love this idea that happiness is a moral obligation. Because when I grew up in Catholic school, I went to Our Lady of Grace Elementary School in Encino and then Crespi High School, the idea that happiness is a moral obligation, that was nowhere to be found. In, in Catholic school growing up. Yeah, or in most religious schools right, right. growing up. Or in most why, families. Why is that not something that people think about? And because why, they think mind, of it as yeah. fluff. It's like, oh, so you're happy. Uh, but when you ask someone who was raised by an unhappy parent or married to an unhappy spouse, whether or not happiness is an ethical issue, and I guarantee you the answer will be yes. You're not happy. It's sort of like having bad breath that impacts everybody else. So it's not selfish to seek happiness. Now, in the same breath, I want to say hedonism is the enemy of happiness. What's hedonism? Where you just seek pleasure for pleasure's sake. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm going to have sugar all day. I'm going to have sex all day. I'm going to watch movies all day. I'm going to whatever it is that your pleasure trap is. Right, because it wears out your pleasure centers. Uh -huh. Before we were on, we started talking about fame and how fame yes. can wear out the pleasure centers in your brain. Um, you want to be very careful with the happiness you seek. What is the fame trap? Like how does, it, how does fame bring happiness or bring sadness to people? Because I feel like a lot of people want money, they want power, they want fame. Is what they think they want growing up. But what have you seen from the brains that have a lot of fame, money, power, followers, if they don't have the right habits to help cultivate a healthy brain, what happens? So there's these two areas in your brain. They're called the nucleus accumbens. Okay. And it responds to dopamine. And dopamine is often thought of the molecule of more mm -hmm. and pleasure and focus and being high or happy. Um, when you hit it hard, so think fame or think cocaine, you feel great. But the more you hit it, you begin to wear it out. Mm. And then it takes more and more to feel, to feel anything at all. And then it sets up a cycle of depression. And so, huh. and I just listened to Will Smith's autobiography, which I thought was great. And he talks about it. Really? That, you know, another number one movie release or a number one best-selling hit. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies 
like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20pureleaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off it's like it's not nearly as cool as the one before it's not enough anymore and and i had and, and i experienced this and it was disorienting my book change your brain change your life um spent a year at number two or number three on the new york times bestseller list um, and it was a historic bestseller, but my next book wasn't as good. I mean, I thought it was better, right. but it didn't sell as much. Mm -hmm. And so, so how does the, it's, dis, it's disorienting. And then, and then my book after that did great, Healing ADD. But then the one after that, not so much. And you just, as an author, if you're really successful, you begin to feel off. And then, you know, I had to like, come to grips with it. I've had 12 New York Times bestsellers, but you know, I've written 40 books, so that means a bunch of them worked. Right. And do I, do I write to feed the nucleus accumbens? Uh -huh. Or is it really a different chemical that I'm after? I'm after serotonin, which is respect, and oxytocin, which is connection. Mm. And so it's interesting to think about what you do based on the chemistry wow. of happiness. And so, yes, there's dopamine, but unfortunately, dopamine's a trap. It's the molecule of more. I need more sex, more money, more praise, more followers. And, and I'm not gonna lie, when we went over a million fans on TikTok, that was cool, yeah. right? I mean, that was cool. But it's not the point, mm. right? The point is connection, purpose, respect. Yes. And what happens to the brain, we were talking about this before, of a brain that is in service to something greater than themselves, whether it's locally, whether it's with a friend or family member, they're being in service to someone, or they're making it their mission of a cause greater than them or their own accomplishments. What happens to a brain that's on service mentality, more focused towards that, versus a brain that's focused on self, success, acknowledgement. Can you just compare those? So it part it depends on your brain type, because, and, and I want people to know, so what makes you uniquely mm. happy? Um, but there's this great study from Baltimore it's part of the Baltimore Longevity Study where they did MRI scans on two groups. And one group volunteered at least once a week for a year. And the other group just did their regular Little life. life. Yeah. 
So that was the intervention. Volunteering was the intervention. At the end of the year, they did MRI scans on them again, and the volunteer group had grown their hippocampus. Now, why is that important? The hippocampus, one of my favorite structures in the brain. Where is that in the brain? So it's on the inside of your temporal lobe. So behind your eyes, um, back maybe an inch and a half. And the hippocampus is Greek for seahorse because it's shaped like a seahorse. They're Mm -hmm. about the size of your thumbs, so they're big in your brain, and they're very special. Their hippocampus is involved in memory, so it gets memory into long-term storage. Did you ever see the movie 50 First Dates? Yes. With Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler? It's a great movie, I love Mm -hmm. that movie. Well, she had damaged both of her hippocampi. So she couldn't, something happened today, she didn't remember Mm. tomorrow. So it's heavily involved in memory, but also in mood Mm. and spatial orientation. And it's very special because the hippocampus produces stem cells every day, about 700. Mm. And when you put the the baby seahorses, called baby seahorses, in a healing environment, you grow them and they become part of your brain. And volunteering was good mm. for the baby seahorses. Interesting. And I went to teach people skills, yeah. not just give them pills. Right. Whether it's antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications or marijuana or whatever, it's like that's not the first thing mm-hmm. to go to. The first thing is to learn diaphragmatic breathing. Right. The first thing is to learn not to believe every stupid thing you think. Mm-hmm. The first thing is like, let's get your diet right because that'll fix thirty percent of mental health problems. You just you have to, when you're working with people, you have to find what works for them. Yes, because you know what works for their type and what works mm-hmm. for them. You have to find what they love because the whole goal is to love your brain. Yes, because then you love your life. Here's the thing: addiction is hard for a lot of people to overcome. It's really an addiction hard. for a reason, and people stay addicted for a long time because they probably try multiple times on whatever it is, marijuana or cigarettes or alcohol or porn or sex, whatever it is people are addicted to or just negative thinking. So how does someone who feels like, I've been trapped, I've been a, you know addicted for years or a long time on something, how do they really get to the root of healing that addiction or stopping it without taking on a a different negative addiction. In my last book, Your Brain is Always Listening, I actually wrote a new 12-step program. Mm. Because the original AA program was written in the 30s. And I'm like, there's no neuroscience. It's basically a psychological, social, spiritual program. And step number one is know your life is out of control. That's actually step number two. Mm. Step number one is what do you want? What do you want in your relationships? Be clear on what you want. What yeah. do you want in your work? What do you want in your money? What do you want in your physical, emotional, spiritual health? Mm. Got to get really clear. What do you want? And then you ask yourself, is my behavior getting me what I want? And if it's not, that's step two. My life's out of control. It's being controlled by something I don't want. Yes. But so often people don't go to step number one. What do you want? And you know, people go more money. It's like well, that's probably not what you want. 
because money doesn't make people happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, up to about $75,000, right? If you're poor, sure, you're not sure. happy. Right. So there's a baseline of happiness, but above that, there is no connection mm -hmm. to money and happiness. And so when you really get to what most people want, and, and I'm quite shocked by this. I've been a psychiatrist 40 years, and I ask people what they want, and they don't know. Mm -hmm. Or and they'll say things like a promotion, or a girl, or um, money. But no, no, what do you want? And let's balance it, because when you're not balanced, I mean, you and I work very hard, but when you're not balanced, you get burned out. Yes. And so, what do you want in your relationships? I start there. What do you want for work? And money, because that's important, mm -hmm. right? And if you know what you want for your money, you don't spend in a dumb way. Right. Yeah. What do you want for your physical health? So obesity runs in my family, and I don't want to be obese. Mm -hmm. So when I think of the brownie or Rocky Road ice cream or my mother's baklava, I'm like, mm, mm. no. Because it doesn't fit, right. right? I mean, I care if I don't have tattoos, but if I had a tattoo, does it fit? Would be mm -hmm. the first tattoo, and maybe over here, be, is it true? <laughs> is, <laughs> is it, it really true? true? Does, it, does it fit? Yeah. Uh, and in the new book, there's the seven secrets, mm -hmm. like what's your brain type, and are you doing things that make you happy? optimize your brain. But with each secret comes a question. Like, am I doing something that makes me uniquely happy today? And this makes me happy, mm -hmm. right? To me, this isn't work, it's fun. fun. It's connection and education. And so is that one of the things to ask yourself? What makes me uniquely happy based on my brain type every day? And then I want you to look for the micro moments of happiness, what's the smallest thing? Mm -hmm. And am I doing those things on a daily basis? Am I doing those things? Like hummingbirds, they're my micro moments of happiness and I have hummingbirds in my yard so I put plants there that they're gonna be interested yes. in. And it makes them happy so everybody's winning. Everyone's with, happy, yeah. <laughs> everybody's happy. What's another neuroscience secret? Optimize the physical function of your brain. So I did a study for this book we looked at 500 consecutive new patients, Damon Clinics, and I gave them the Oxford Happiness Questionnaire. So how happy are you on a scale of one to six? We compared the high happiness group with the low happiness group. The low happiness group had lower function in their frontal lobes. And so how do you increase the, the function in your frontal lobe? So hyperbaric oxygen, uh -huh. certain supplements, not yeah. hitting soccer balls with your head. If you're boxing, don't let people hit you in the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you protect them. And I have thousands of before and after scans if you do the right thing. So we just, you're on our series, Scan My Brain. We just did Troy Gloss. So Troy was the third baseman for the Anaheim Angels. Okay. He was the 2002 World Series MVP. He had wow. 320 home runs. I mean, he's a very successful wow. baseball player. And, um, but he was drinking too much. And had four concussions when he played. Had no purpose. And he came to see me. And his brain looked terrible, especially his frontal lobes. Really? And he was really sad. And, which meant his family was really sad. People don't get it. It's right. It's not all about you. It's about everybody. That's why you say a moral obligation. It's a moral obligation. And I love Troy because he just did what I asked him to do. He stopped drinking. 
And it's an athlete mindset. He's like, coach me up, I'll do what you tell me to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why I love treating athletes. Uh, so he stopped drinking. He stopped drinking. He took the supplements I gave him. He ate better. He lost 15 pounds and increased his exercise. Because a lot of athletes, they got so burned out from working they stop. out, they stop. And you can't stop. I mean, you can shift, mm-hmm. but you can't stop. And two months later, I scanned him again. His brain was so much healthier. Mm. Two months, mm-hmm. and he was happier. Yeah. Now, he has appropriate anxiety. He's like, no, I don't want that bad brain. I don't want that bad brain. Um, and I don't want to go back to feeling bad. Yeah. And so there's enough anxiety, but now he asks himself, at least I hope, does it fit? Does this behavior fit the goals I have. Mm-hmm. Three is supplement your brain. Am I taking my supplements every day? And the supplement for happiness, there's a number of them, but saffron. I'm like a huge fan of saffron. I make something called happy saffron with a saffron extract called afron, zinc, and curcumins because in independent randomized controlled trials, they've been found to boost your mood. In mm-hmm. fact, saffron has 20 four randomized controlled trials, comparing it to Prozac, Paxil, Lexapro, Zoloft, Wellbutrin, showing it to be equally effective. Really? But most antidepressants yeah. decrease sexual function where saffron increases sexual huh. function. And I think that's so interesting. This is a natural supplement. It's not a, it's just a natural supplement. It's not a drug, yeah. It's not a drug. That's and I'm not opposed to medication. Mm-hmm. It's just never the first thing I think about. It's not the first, don't just say, my brain's messed up, I have ADD, here's a drug. Right. You say, here are all these other things you couldn't try to get you a little closer to where you want to be first. Well, and we want to look at your brain first, because how do I know what's going on with your brain based on just what you tell me, uh-huh. right? No other doctor acts like that. Four, love food that loves you back. And when you travel, it's harder. Yeah. But you still have choices. And so we always go compared to what, right? So I could have the deep dish pizza mm-hmm. or I could find a salad, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, it's like, oh, but I love pizza, but it doesn't love you. You're, you're in an abusive relationship oh, with pizza. Yeah. Because, and, and I just think both you and I, at least me for sure, have been in bad relationships in the past. I'm married to my best friend. I'm not doing that anymore. Just not. Mm. And so many people come, but I love sugar. But it, it doesn't makes love you. you. But yeah. it makes you stupid. Wow. And it makes you stressed. And oh, but I love cake or cookies or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's love food that loves you back. You're yeah. in a relationship, and your brain is in a relationship with food as well. That's a good one. Uh, what's, what's number five? Master your mind and mm-hmm. gain psychological distance from the noise in your head. So that's where we put, is it true? Um, and I love just sort of watching my mind because it doesn't torture me anymore. It used to torture me. And I was 28 before I learned I did not have to believe every stupid thing I thought. I was 28 years old. I was a psychiatric resident. And I'm in class, and when the professor said that, I'm like, really? It's a game changer. 
for me. Do just to like not believe every thought. But to sort of just watch the storms that come in my head. Mm-hmm. And when you do what I've done, so I have been a troublemaker in my profession. Um, I have, we've had 10,000 physicians and mental health professionals refer people to us. I get a lot of love. But I've also gotten a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington Post did an article on me, and they called me the most popular psychiatrist in America, and to most psychiatrists, that's a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, so, but learning how to manage my mind, because you know sometimes the thought will come up, nobody likes you, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, 10,000 people have referred patients to Amy Sure, sure. So <laughs> maybe not. But if, if you don't know how to yes. manage that, and, and I'm not unique, right? I mean, I have five sisters. I'm used to criticism. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but if you don't know how to manage it, you get mm-hmm. resentful, reactive, yes. all of those things. How do, you, how, do you man- how do you manage it when you get, whether it's uh, media or other, I don't know if there's other scientists or researchers who might be questioning you or your methods, how do you handle that and address it, both personally and professionally? It used to be really hard for me, used to be really hard. And then I realized none of them will help 1% of the people we've helped Mm. at Amon Clinics. I know we change lives. I have stories over and over and over. The lever patient that helped me with this, because I lived initially, because I was called all sorts of bad names, a charlatan, a snake oil salesman, and, uh, and I was just anxious and upset. Because I became a doctor in part because I like when people respect me. Of course. And, so if your community and now I'm yeah. being disrespected, and hell is separation from God, or it's separation from mm. your community. Mm-hmm. And now, and I loved being part of the psychiatric community. Uh, won a research award from the American Psychiatric Association as distinguished fellow, and now I'm getting all this grief. And why is this happening? Well, I know why it's happening, and it's just normal that when you try to change your paradigm, people Mm -hmm. don't say thank you, especially for the people that are making money on the current paradigm. They demonize you. There's a great book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution, and Initially, somebody sees there's a problem. The powers that be try to fix it. That person comes up with a new paradigm, like what I do. We came up with a completely new paradigm. You should scan your brain, and then you should use skills and natural things, not just pills. So you can see the pharmaceutical industry and the insurance industry are like, oh, no, can't do that. Step four is the rejection. Mm -hmm. It's the most predictable phase in scientific revolution. Interesting. And then five, progress in science happens through funerals. The old guard dies, and a new guard comes up that embraces the new paradigm. But it might take years or decades Decades. to embrace the new paradigm, and then that becomes the new norm. And then that becomes the new norm. Until that's broken in 50 years or 100 years, or when there's something new, or whatever it might be. Well, last year, so one of the exercises in New Happier is write down the 20 happiest moments of your life. Because when you get sad, you can anchor them. Um, Like I have them anchored in my house. 
like at my front door, it's anchored in my memory of me holding Tana, taking her across the threshold, and almost dropping her because I almost dropped her when we practiced our dance the night before. And it was funny, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, it was a good memory. And when I go in the kitchen, my grandfather's there at the stove making fudge, although I'm teaching him how to make a healthy fudge, yeah. right? Well, last May, I got another one of my 20 happiest memories. The Canadian Association of Nuclear Medicine, which is a prestigious scientific body that regulates SPECT in Canada, wrote new procedure guidelines as if I wrote them. Wow. So they used some of your procedures, or they They, they, they the wrote it as if I had written it. And mm. 10 of the authors, five of them were my students. Interesting. Basically saying, you should look, What's the matter with you if you don't look? Uh -huh. And it, it's, it's a radical shift in the wow. paradigm. What's so, SPECT stand for again? Single Photon Emission Computed Tomography. This is how you scan the It's brain. a nuclear medicine study that looks at blood flow and activity, but single photon, photon's a little piece of light. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. So when I scanned you, we injected the medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes and locks to your brain and then sends out signals that we could scan. Yes. And your image was made up of about 10 million photons wow. or times the pieces of light hit the crystals in the camera. So it's really cool. But if, if you want to be happy, don't be a pioneer. Because <laughs> you're going to get criticized, yeah. taken down, try to be taken down, told all these nasty things about and, you. And I just, I wish I'd known when I started mm. that 
the sequence to how this is going to go. Yes. Right. I, I wasn't excitement. I wasn't looking yeah. for the the hatred. What was the sequence for you? Was it like, oh, I'm going to try some, this paradigm isn't working the way I want it to work. This old paradigm. So let me find something new. This is exciting. I'm seeing some results. So how for me, I when. 1972, I turned 18 and Vietnam was still going on. Mm -hmm. And I became an infantry medic where my love of medicine was wow. born. Anyways, about a year into that, I realized I didn't like being shot at. It, it's not for me. So I got retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for imaging. As our professors used to say, how do you know unless you look? So I love taking pictures mm -hmm. of people's bodies. I just yes. thought that was so cool. And when I went to medical school, someone I love tried to kill herself. And I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist and I fell in love with him because I knew if he helped her, it would help generations of her. Oh. So I fell in love with psychiatry, the only medical specialty that never looks at the organ it treats. And because of my imaging background, I knew it was wrong. Interesting. And I knew it would change. I just had no idea I'd be part of it. Because psychiatry, focuses on thoughts in the brain, but it doesn't take an image or scan it necessarily. From right, the so if you went and saw a psychiatrist today, he would make a diagnosis exactly like they did in 1840. Based on when what When Lincoln saying. was depressed. Wow. Based on what you're telling them. By what you tell them, how you look. Your habits. And they're you. looking at symptom clusters. Interesting. Oh, you're a bipolar disorder. Oh, you have borderline personality disorder. Oh, you have ADHD. And early on, I'm like, that's complete crap. Because mm. how do you know what's going on in their brain? The assumption mm. is depression's one thing. It's a serotonin deficiency, and so everybody should take an SSRI. But they work no better than placebo in large groups of patients. I mean, 60 Minutes did a whole study, a whole show on that. Um, Interesting. And then when I started looking, because I like looking, I got so excited. And I'm also a writer and a communicator. Like, I like to write mm -hmm. what I'm doing for the general population to benefit from my work because I feel good when someone else benefits from my work, right? That gives yeah. me serotonin and oxytocin and the chemicals of happiness. We should talk about oxytocin before okay. we finish for sure. Um, but what I didn't know, because I started looking and I didn't make this stuff up. I mean, I had a teacher and other people were doing it at the time. Because I have a big mouth, I would, I would attract a lot of patients, and that would cause jealousy, and then the haters would right. come out. And then it didn't fit the current paradigm. Diagnosis based on symptom clusters, no biological data. And then when so, I did it, uh -huh. the first 10 cases. When did you first do, how long were you a psychiatrist for until you did the first scans? Like nine years. Nine years. And so you were doing this, and you were trying to diagnose and patients. And I would be and horrified. Because, like, they're depressed. Let me give you Prozac. Because uh, I was, uh, I'd just gotten out of my residency when Prozac came on the market. Some people got better, like, dramatically better. By and giving them the medicine. By giving them Prozac. And some people got worse and wanted to kill people. Ooh. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not okay with this. Or yeah. I'm also a child psychiatrist. They had ADHD, and I'd give them Ritalin. And some kids got 
dramatically better, like from D's and F's to A's and B's, and um, so much better. And other kids would become suicidal. Wow. And I'm like, no, we're missing something. Yes. And then when I started looking, I'm like, okay, what's the one pattern? I'm like, oh, there's not one pattern. There's like seven or eight mm -hmm. different patterns for all these things. So let's stop making diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological data. And then the other thing I learned, which is why I do the athlete work I do, is mild traumatic brain injury ruins people's lives and nobody knows about it. Wow. Because they see psychiatrists, psychologists, marriage and family therapists, and nobody's looking at their brain. Yeah. And so my NFL work, they have four times the level of depression as the general population because of the chronic traumatic brain wow. injuries. And what's the movie? Concussion? Is concussion. That yeah, yeah, that's kind of bringing that more to light. You know, I was a consultant. You are. Concussion. Yeah. And I was actually written into the script. So I know what it's like to be written into a movie. There you go. And I know what it's like to be written out of it. To be taken movie. out of it, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's interesting that now it's becoming more. And now they're, the NFL is changing the way that the rules of the game where you can't hit head to head. And so I think there's some and, and progress. And isn't it every bit as exciting? Yeah. I mean, the idea that we need the violent hits to feed our animalistic yeah. nature, stop that. Yeah. I, I mean, Absolutely. I grew up a Ram fan uh -huh. and the, the Super Bowl was fun, but yeah. I still saw concussions. And really? that still. Yeah, little micro concussions. Horrifies me, right? I mean, the thousands of sub concussive blows. Every day in practice, I mean, you played football for how many years? A couple of years? Three. Three years. And, and I so, loved it. And you probably hit head to head. This is probably before they had sophisticated helmets. Oh, uh, we had plastic helmets. Yeah, and so, so you probably had. And we did drills in practice. That's all you did, <laughs> head to head. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, that's insane. Yeah. When, when you just think the brain is soft, mm -hmm. and the skull is hard, and the skull has sharp bony ridges, and your brain controls everything you do, how you think, how you feel, how you act. Why would you ever let a child do that? I spoke at the Future of Medicine conference, and a friend of mine, who's actually a billionaire, um, stands up and he goes, because he heard me talk about football, and he goes, but my son really wants to play. And I hired him like a former NFL player coach. I'm like, what if he said, I really want to do cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> because the level of damage is right. the same. Wow. Would you find him the most talented drug dealer? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it's funny, I think about this now. I'm like, I one of my buddies who was, I played arena football for a season and, and he was uh, the MVP of like the arena championship game. And he goes, there's no way I'd let my son play football. You know, knowing what I know from back then, He's like, just the traumas over and over again. He's like, maybe baseball or some other sport, but basketball, but not in a sport where there's just constant hitting, you know? And I think it's, I ask myself that, my girlfriend's like, would you let your kid do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, I mean, it's a so long way away. So when you have but, LeBron James and yeah. Barack Obama saying they wouldn't let their kids play football, yeah. then I knew. Well, LeBron played football, so. Well, then I knew that, uh, it's starting to seep into consciousness. Because when I started my NFL work, my brother laughed at me, he does that. And he's like, you just want everybody to play ping pong. Because <laughs> exactly. table I tennis is the world's best you know the sport, brain sport. You know the sport that I've just started playing over Thanksgiving, last Thanksgiving, is pickleball. 
Have you played this? I have not. People it's love eight. it. They love it, and I know why now. It's incredible. It's big table tennis, but little tennis. It's incredible, and you, it's a better workout, but it's just as much you know, hand-eye coordination. So you don't have to be really technically good at swinging a racket. So it's like anyone can play. It's really fun. Uh, we'll I have, have to, to do, do it sometime. That. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. People um, who play racket sports live well, longer than everybody come else. Come on. Everybody else. Study from England. Um, the second was swimmers. Huh. The worst were football players uh. and soccer players. But now you're playing pickleball. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but for someone like you who you know had a lot of head trauma for three years essentially, and then I guess psychological trauma from from the war, you know, for a year or two of just being in that environment. How do you? heal your brain or can your brain so you didn't bring up my five sisters yeah <laughs> the, the emotional and being, trauma and of, being third in yeah. a lebanese family yeah yeah the emotional so. psychological trauma all that stuff you're still able to heal your brain though even if you did a lot of these you know physical damages to your brain right i love that you can change it yeah every day yeah right i mean you know if you go on a bender tonight your brain is going to be worse tomorrow mm. yes but if you sleep well tonight your brain's going to be a bit better tomorrow every day you're making your brain a bit better or a bit worse mm -hmm. and i have scans like Anthony Davis, the Hall of Fame running back from USC. I love him. He's the reason we did our big NFL study. Um, he came to see me in 2007, and his brain was terrible. And he was terrible, temperamental and memory problems. And, uh, he just did everything I asked him to do. He's so much better. Mm. I have his brain 10 years apart. I mean, how cool is that? I just scanned someone recently where I have her brain 24 years apart. How is it? She's now 81, and her brain is dramatically better than when she was 50. Come on. Oh, no. It's amazing. It's so cool. Huh. Makes me so happy for her, but also makes me happy for me, because this is the idea. Yes. You're not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better. Mm. But you got to have the right mindset, yes. not of oh, I can't do this, so I'm deprived. Yeah. It's, oh, I did the right thing, good for me. Yeah. Good job. And that's it's, it's shifting your mindset. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever see City Slickers with Billy Crystal? I think I did, yeah. So he's this New York guy going through a midlife crisis uh -huh. and goes to a dude ranch and trying to find his mojo. And he's with an old cowboy, Curly, and Curly goes... You just have to know the one thing. And Curly's played by Jack Pendleton. You just have to know the one thing. And Mitch, played by Billy Crystal, goes, what's the one thing? And the next scene, Curly dies. Oh. And so he doesn't know the one oh, thing. But I know the one thing. What is it? When you do the right thing, feel good about yourself. Okay, so master your mind and also gain psychological, psychological distance from it so you're not wrapped up in it all day. What were the next two then, the, the final two? So six is notice what you like about other people more than what you don't. This is giving, judging people, you mean? giving happiness away. No, it's shaping people. It's, um, my wife hates when I say this, but giving I totally away, believe yeah. it. Everybody's out for themselves. It's just the more sophisticated you are, the harder it is to tell. And I do this because I feel good doing this. Yeah, of course. And... 
you know, altruism is the best medicine for your stress hormones. That when you give and other people benefit, you matter. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I need to take advantage of this person. Right. Because that made me feel awful mm -hmm. about doing that. But I shape you by what I notice about you. And I clearly do it with my children. And I clearly do it with my wife. I, my wife has red hair. I can get her to yell at me. Or I can notice what I like and mm -hmm. make her smile. Yeah. And is that manipulative? Sort of. But it's in a good way. Right. It's better than saying something nasty about them or seeing it's, the worst like, in them. Activate your frontal lobes. Does this get me what I want? Mm -hmm. But notice what you like about other people more than what you don't. Mm -hmm. So there are really four animals in this book. I collect things. So I guess maybe I'm more of the persistent type than I think. But like I collect seahorses yes. because of the hippocampus. And I collect ant eaters because you have to be able to kill the ants. Yes. Um, and I collect. Um, Penguins. Ooh. And I ever tell you my penguin story? No. So I'm a child psychiatrist. It's 19, I'm in training to be a child psychiatrist, 1986. My son is seven. He's hard for me. He's oppositional. I adopted him when he was two and a half. And it's like, no matter, he's the persistent type. No matter what I say, he'd argue with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I didn't feel close to him. And I was feeling bad. And I'm talking to my supervisor. And she's like, you have to spend more time with him. Mm. And so I took him to a place. I was doing my training in Hawaii. And took him to Sea Life Park, which is where they have sea animal shows. Sort of like SeaWorld. And went to the dolphin show, and that was great. And the killer whale show, and that was fun. And the sea lion show, and that was fun. And at the end of the day, he grabs my shirt, and he goes, I want to see the penguin show. I want to see Fat Freddy. Like, who's Fat Freddy? <laughs> it's a penguin. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, Fat Freddy is this chubby but very cute penguin who comes out onto the stage, climbs uh, the ladder to a high dive, goes to the end, bounces, That's cool. and then jumps in the water. That's cool. And then he gets out, he bowls with his nose, he counts with his flipper, he jumps through a hoop of fire, and I'm like, this is so interesting. And then at the end of the show, the trainer asked Freddie to go get something. And Freddie went and got it. And he brought it right back. And then time stood still for me. Because I asked this kid to get something for me. And he wants to have a discussion. Yeah. For like 20 minutes. And then he doesn't want to do it. And I knew my son was smarter than the penguin. So I go up to the trainer afterwards. Say, so how do you get this penguin to get you what you I'm want? I'm like, how did you do all of this with this penguin? And she looked at my son. And then she looked at me. And she said, unlike parents. Whenever Freddie does anything like what I want him to do, I notice him. I give him a hug and I give him a fish. And the light went on in my head that even though my son didn't like raw fish, my daughter actually does, um, I wasn't paying any attention to him. Because I'm like my dad. I'm busy, I'm driven, I'm working. And like, so I collect penguins as a way to notice what I like about other people. That's cool. More than what I don't like. And literally I have thousands of them. I actually wrote That's a book cool. about this. And 
you are shaping the people in your environment. Yes. So you can notice the house isn't clean, or you can notice when the house is clean. And right. maybe you could be helpful. And focus on that, yeah. And you can focus, like my wife and I, we were in Florida and we were looking for property. And in my head, I'm like, she's going to make a bonehead decision. And if I would have said that, it would just started a fight. I'm like, you're one of the smartest people I know with real estate. I said, what do you think? And then she just stopped. Not because I criticized her, because when you criticize someone, you bring them more toward their position. Mm -hmm. But when you notice what you like and then back up, especially with persistent people, I often call it a little hit and run. It's like, say it kindly, softly, and then don't talk about it. Because if you keep talking about it, you solidify them in their position. Notice what you like about people. I think that's a... Uh something I've tried to live by for a long time is that's a great way to build connection too and intimacy is to notice those things so which is happiness because relationships more than almost anything is every happiness Um, and what's the seventh live each day based on clearly defined values purpose and goals what happens if we don't have clear values purpose or goals you're thrown around by the news cycle, by the weather, by what other people's values, purpose, and goals are. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm a big believer that when you have this and you're seeing progress towards these things, it makes you happier, as opposed to not seeing progress on anything. That's what Tony Robbins says, happiness yeah. is progress. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned one... But, but so doing yeah. this exercise, One Page Miracle, is so important. It's mm-hmm. called the One Page Miracle because yes. on... One piece of paper, if you can put down what you want and then just ask yourself every day, am I getting it? You become so much more successful. It's huge. And I think it's one of the foundational reasons for my success besides building a team, Mm -hmm. getting people, getting the right people on the bus. This is a very powerful and inspiring book with just so much tools, so many uh, strategies, tools, research, images, showing before and after, um, and lessons, and nutritional facts and studies, all these different things that people can dive into. I wanna make sure people get the book, um, Powerful, You Happier, The Seven Neuroscience Secrets of Feeling Good Based on Your Brain Type, and it's important for us to be aware of what our type is first so we can make actions that'll improve that type. Over 200,000 brain scans from people all over the world, 155 countries. Um, backing kind of this research and information. So I want people to get a few copies of this, give it to their friends. You give a 30-day game plan on how to improve, all these different things. And the least you can do is try some of this. And if it doesn't work, then you can try something different. But this is an amazing solution to start working towards. So based on um, the book, I did a 30-day happiness challenge. Yes. We actually have it at Amen University. People can sign up for it. People who finished it were 32% happier after 30 days. Right. That's, I mean, I that's yeah. what I That's pretty cool. Said. Their energy was better. Their memory was better. Um, you know, with all of my books, I sort of tend to wrap everything I know into, okay, what's this issue? If people pre-order the book or order the book in the first week, I'll give them a bottle of Happy Saffron and the 30-day happiness challenge, and a workbook, and wow. a new cookbook. Where do they so, go for that? Uh, go to you happier. 
happier.com. And they can get all the information there. Okay, cool. Newhappier.com. I wanted to ask you one final question or two about how death and grief affects the brain. You lost your father a year ago, is that right? It's almost two years. Two years ago? Yeah. I lost my dad a month ago. So Just sorry. passed away. And I remember the last time you talked about how you miss him every day. You mentioned this the last time we spoke. I'm curious about death and grief. How does it affect the brain of someone that you care about and love deeply when they pass away? And how does the feeling of grief affect the brain and is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it, you know, reflecting and processing in a healthy way? Does that heal the brain? Does it affect it in certain ways? I'm just curious. This is something new for me. Well, it's a normal thing, mm -hmm. right? We all lose people we care about. Right. And um, I want people to do the right things for their brain mm -hmm. rather than the, the wrong things, things yeah, yeah. For, for their brain. So one, know it, feel it, mm -hmm. The week after my dad died, I mean, every day, I was in my office thinking about him. I have voicemails from him, mm, listening cool. to the voicemails, going through pictures. Um, I wrote his eulogy, mm. and it was so healing for yeah, me. And yeah. I was in my office crying after a week. Sure, sure. Because I was sad. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was 90, but it was a surprise because. Um, he had worked so hard in his last five years to be healthy. Mm. But it was a combination of COVID and heart stuff. Anyways, feel it. Like spend time grieving mm. and feeling and make sure you have balanced memories. Like, you know, I had a hard relationship with my dad. Yes. And Don't focus on all that stuff. But I also had a great relationship yeah. with them. And so keeping it balanced, and I got criticized by some of my nieces and nephews because I didn't talk about him as if he was God or if he, if he was perfect. But you know, grieving is being honest and then not letting the ants come in and then doing the brain healthy habits. Mm -hmm. I have this great yeah. story of a woman you know, like you, when I lecture, people come up to me and they say they appreciate your work. Well, for me, people come up and cry. And when she stopped crying, she said, I lost my daughter two years ago to bone cancer. Mm. She was 12, yeah. heartbreaking. And I didn't know how bad it would hit me. I went to bed, I drank too much, I ate all the wrong foods. She ballooned up to over 200 pounds. And she said, on the two-year anniversary of her death, I was going to kill myself. Wow. And then I saw one of your shows on public television. I decided I'd get your book. And if it was a bad book, I'd kill myself tomorrow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, no pressure. Oh, man. Um, she said, but it was so simple. What I try to do in You Happier, this is so simple. It is. See seven yes. secrets and seven questions you yes. ask yourself every day. She said, I'm down 24 pounds. Wow. And she said, you gave me my life back. And she said, what I want you to tell people who are grieving is never let grief be your excuse to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. To create bad habits and bad actions to hurt yourself, yeah. Right. And the people who have prolonged grief often have habits that are not helping them. Mm. Maybe Whether they haven't it's distorted thinking or... or 
What do you mean prolonged grief? Like they haven't processed it in a healthy way? Right. So, I mean, sometimes you can get grief that goes for years. Yeah. And it's because they don't process it. Wow. So process all the emotions. This is beautiful. Daniel, I appreciate you. You happier. The seven neuroscience secrets of feeling good based on your brain type. Make sure you guys get a few copies. You can go to youhappier.com to get all the bonuses as well. Um, I really acknowledge you, Daniel, for constantly showing up and being of service. It's a beautiful gift from all the years, the experience, the lessons, the scans, the people you've helped, the case studies. There's just more work to be done. So I acknowledge you for constantly showing up and being of service to so many people. Thanks again for, for being here and all your help. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.